like a pound of So, <laughs> I was standing in the back and my wife says, please don't go break dance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. <clears throat> I, I got nothing. That was pretty funny though. I actually, how many of you, be honest, it's okay. How many of you actually would say, I kind of like that song. See, look, look at that, look at that. It was kind of seemed like more this side of the room than this side of the room. I'm not sure what that means, but I mean, it's not a bad song. Um, okay, yeah, it is, but what are you going to do? So are you, saying, are you saying that you think that music sounds like me or that he looks like me? What are you saying? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to go through a couple of things. Some of you may know, some of you may not. But I just got back from uh, Brazil, and uh, so one of the things that, and I'm very grateful to uh, the well as we attempt to figure out what does it look like to reach globally-minded people who live in Sao Paulo, Brazil, okay? So we're trying to figure out what that looks like. So I just want to give you really quickly a couple of things. I brought a couple of pictures. I don't know how well they actually show up on the screen, um, but the first picture shows if you're a... If you're an architect, come talk to me. And I know we have several people in the room that are architects. Come talk to me afterwards because I want to tell you about the building that I stayed in. I had no idea that it was famous. I stayed there because it was cheap. But apparently it's famous, and I'll tell you a little bit. Of, but this picture was taken from uh, the window of my room uh, on the 28th floor. So approximately somewhere in the vicinity of 23 million people live uh, in the metro area of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, I think the next picture is just another building picture, which is not that big of a deal, but you can flash through that. Yeah, just some more buildings. Um, go to the next picture. <clears throat> I don't even remember what it is. Oh, so every single place, not every single place, but most of the time when you go to a place, if somebody like, wants to, to meet with you or go out or whatever, they say, do you want to go to a bakery? And I, bakery to me is like you, you might get a donut or something, but when they, when they say bakery, you can get all kinds of food. It's just not. And so these two guys, the guy on the right, he actually speaks English very well. The guy on the left um, is learning English. Um, English is a really good tool. Like lots of people want to learn English, so it's actually an interesting tool to use. But we have a really funny story. So the lady who's taking our order, she doesn't speak English. I look on the menu. Um, I, I happen to know what the Portuguese word for chicken is, so I see chicken, so I'm ordering chicken, but apparently, I don't know if she was just going with what I pointed at or if I said it wrong, but anyways, we get this gigantic uh, plate of steak, um, <clears throat> and it was really, really good. It was the best mistake that I've ever made, um, but now, these two guys, like, so every time they see me, they're all there, like, that was really good chicken, um, and so it kind of becomes an interesting joke, um, and I think there's one more picture, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, one of the coolest things that I got to do while I was there, um, I'll tell you, if you want to know the rest of the story, how I got there, I can tell you later, but I got invited to go to a meeting of Christian uh, police officers uh, for Sao Paulo. So I got to go to this meeting. The first part of it was great. I got to interact with some people, meet some people, and that was kind of cool. Um, then the rest of it, was, honestly, was kind of boring because I didn't understand most of what they were saying. Um, but I also have on video them singing the, the Brazilian national anthem, which you've, if you've never heard before, it's pretty interesting. It's the longest uh, national anthem in the world. Um, they sang the whole thing. And they're just like, see, like it was really co pretty cool, but it's really long. Uh, like I didn't start videoing until halfway through, and it's still two and a half minute long video. 
Um, so it was really long, but so I was in this meeting, and, and uh, it was kind of cool. They were just talking about what does it mean for them to be a police officer and to be a Christian at the same time, and it was super interesting. Just one quick stat that I learned while I was at this meeting. So it's like, it's similar to like New York, New York, so it's the city and the state. Um, so it's Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo, so it's the city and the state. Um, though most of the people live in the city itself, each day the police department has 15 million dispatches every day. Um, and then they give another statistic about how many children are born in police cars every year um, because the traffic is really bad and so people try to get to the, to the hospital and they can't make it and I can't remember what the number was, but it was pretty crazy. So interesting stuff. <clears throat> I'll talk to you more later afterwards if you want to learn more or whatever. Um, but it was, uh, it was very fun. Uh, the reason I hesitate to say whether it was fun or not is because there was a large portion of it that was very difficult. Um, the bridges thing that we, they were talking about earlier is super important. Um, I kind of know what that feels like to come to another country because I was there for two weeks. Half the time I was alone and half the time I was terrified. And one night I was really hungry and... My choice was starve or venture out and try to find something to eat. And it was really close to just not eating because I was scared. Like, it's because I know they're going to ask me a question and I don't know the answer. Um, I have no idea what they're saying. I'll teach you one thing. Can I teach you one thing in Portuguese? It's pretty much the only thing I know. That's not completely true, but, <clears throat> but I, bon dia. Say that, bon dia. So, and this is a very important thing to them. They, there's... Bon dia, bon tarde, bon noche. So as you, you just said good morning to me. And so, and they say it all the time. You know, when you get in an elevator in America, you get in an elevator, you never open your mouth, you try not to make any eye contact, you just stand there and wait till it's your floor or whatever. Not true in Brazil. Like you gotta look at everybody in the eye and you gotta say bon dia. And if you don't, they get offended. So you, you get on the elevator, bon dia, bon dia, like it's a big deal. So you just see, you learn Portuguese this morning. <clears throat> um, if you brought a Bible this morning, you can uh, begin to turn to the book of Philemon, which uh, can be rather difficult to find because it's really, really small. So my suggestion would be to use the table of contents. Um, have you ever noticed that the table of contents in a Bible is the least used uh, page in the whole Bible because we think that we're not supposed to use it? It's in there for a reason, right? Philemon is hard to find, so use the table of contents. Uh, to find it, and I think that would be helpful. You won't get struck by lightning if you use the table of contents. It's okay, I promise. Um, <clears throat> also, if you have a smartphone and you have the Uversion app, um, if you just go to the tab section and then go to live, you can search the well Austin and you can follow along with the scriptures that we're looking at this morning. Or you could also, um, there's a link that you could type in if you don't have the app and you wanted to follow along, you could type it in um, and it will give you some... <clears throat> the same thing just by uh, using that link in your browser. So by suggestion, we're not going to do a whole lot of detail into the book of Philemon. I'm going to give you a quick overview, but if you, if you want to know more detail, my suggestion would be to go back and listen to Tori's uh, message from last week. It's really, really good, insightful information about the, the book of Philemon, but so, uh, long story short, really condensed version, um, Paul is writing from prison back to Philemon, um, and he's writing to him, and he's um, encouraging him uh, to listen and to pay attention, because what has happened is... Um, uh, uh, Philemon had a slave, Onesimus, who took some stuff and stole it and ran away, okay? So, and as he runs away, uh, 
Can you imagine? Just, just think about some time in your life where you got wronged, like somebody did something to you like that was really, really bad. Maybe they stole something from you. I don't know. Maybe they hit you. Uh, maybe they called you a bad name. Or maybe they t- said something to the news about you that wasn't true, whatever the case was. Um, and so it was, he got wronged. And so Philemon's kind of upset. And so Paul's writing him back, giving him some insight. And it's super interesting. <clears throat> What's well, also inter- that I find very interesting about this particular uh, letter written by Paul, like sometimes when you hear about or you see some of the other uh, writings of Paul, sometimes he can come across a little uh, straightforward, like he just kind of like says what he needs to say, and it's a little jab sometimes, but he's, but he's also providing correction. But I find this particular letter from Paul a little bit different because um, he's, he's kind of gentle, and kind and offering wisdom, and he's kind of coming at it from a different angle. So, so the guy who talked about what it means to understand love from the Father now is going to kind of show what love looks like. And so I find that it's really interesting. It's a tad bit different. Um, in other books, um, Paul's kind of writing and, and talking about the gospel, but in this particular book, Paul is giving an example of the gospel. So other books or other letters or other writings of Paul, he's teaching or, or showing uh, and telling about the gospel. But now here he's going he's gonna to give an example, like a personal example. He's going to show the gospel. So I think that it's super interesting. Um, believing... Believing in the good news, so believing in the gospel, believing that uh, we were indebted, that Jesus died for our indebtedness, that kind of gives us a way to have access to God, um, not something that we earned, but something that, uh, that he gives to us. So believing in the gospel changes the way that we interact in our relationships, or at least it should, and if it doesn't, then maybe we need to reevaluate our understanding of the gospel. And so that's kind of where we're at today is, is our understanding of the good news, our understanding of the gospel kind of changes the way that we interact in our relationships. And so that's kind of what we're looking about, looking at today. And so with the, the number of people in this room, I just want you to ponder this question for a moment. I wonder how much woundedness I don't even know if that's a real word. See, I can't speak Portuguese or English. Is that a real word, woundedness? Is it real? I don't know. I thought maybe I made it up. I wonder how much woundedness and bitterness is actually in this room. And my guess is more than we would think. Because we've all had something happen to us, like somebody wronged us in some way. And so as we talk about that today, we're looking at a specific example, but I think it's, a, it's an insight into our life, how we deal with it. So that's what we're going to look at. So we're gonna actually going to start reading from verse 15, and this is what it says. <clears throat> it says, for this perhaps is why. So remember, Paul, he, he's writing to Philemon. He's giving him some instruction, and he says, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while. The he there is Onesimus. And so he says, For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant or a slave, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. And so Onesimus runs away like he steals and he runs away. And Paul's writing here, what he says is maybe, could it be, that the reason that he left and ran away is so that he could have an encounter with God and that he could come back your brother. Maybe the reason that it didn't go the way that you wanted was because God had something else in mind. 
And I think the insight there for you and me as we, as we think about this is, have you ever had plans and they didn't quite work out the way that you wanted? Could it be that God actually had something else in mind? Could it be that God wanted to take some of the circumstances in your life to kind of produce something else that you didn't even think about or that you didn't even dream about or that you would have never done? And so God maybe was kind of orchestrating some things in your life. And so uh, Paul's saying to Philemon, could it be that maybe the reason that he kind of ran away was that so maybe he could come, he could find me, and we could have this conversation about what it means to, to uh, understand that Jesus died for our indebtedness, becomes a follower of Jesus, and then when he comes back, he's your brother. Maybe that's why. And so I, I just think that's an interesting concept. He's asking, he's asking that. And then he says in verse 16, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And then he says in verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. A couple things that I want to camp out here for just a moment. Receive him as you would receive me. <clears throat> they didn't have email. And you, you may be surprised by that, but they didn't have email. So what happened was Paul writes a letter and he has to get it there some way, like somebody has to deliver it. Do you know who delivered the letter to Philemon, written to Philemon from Paul? Do you know who took it to him? Onesimus. So the guy, so just think about this for just a moment. The guy who stole from him, who wronged him, who ran away, he shows up. What are you doing here? Before you kill me, before you get too upset, here, read this. Paul, Paul, Paul wants to talk to you. Read this, read this. And so we, we, we have multiple copies of this, but it's just one letter. So he opens it and he starts reading. And as he's reading it, he starts at the beginning. He's reading the greetings. He's going along. He's going along. And he gets to verse 17. And it says, so if you consider me your partner, like if we have anything going on here, like if you remember those days in the past when we were together, when we kind of started something great, if, we're, if you're my partner, Receive him, and the him is standing right there. Receive him as you would receive me. Like he didn't have any time to prepare. Like maybe if he would, would have two or three days advance notice, maybe he could have thought about it and been prepared. But here's the guy who hurt him, who wronged him, who stole from him, who left, and now all of a sudden he's standing there. Philemon's reading this, and Paul's saying, receive him, just like if it was me, receive him. Now, I don't know about your English, but in my English, that's not a word that I typically use, receive, like I'm going to receive somebody. But for whatever reason, I guess when you, there's something that happens in the translation into Portuguese, but this is a word that, that people who speak Portuguese but also speak English, they use this word all the time. So if I'm going to somebody's house, when I'm, when I'm in uh, Brazil, they always say, I would be glad to receive you. And I, I thought it was kind of weird. Like, I'd be glad to receive. Like, I don't even know what that means. Be glad to receive you. Here's what it means, at least in Brazil, and I think it has some implication here for us as well. When they say I would receive you, that means they put out all the best stuff. Like, they put out the nice, the nice plates. If you're spending, the, like, if you're staying with them, they, you know, they put out the nice sheets. They, they, 
make a fluffy pillow for you. They put little mints on the, on the, on the bed for you. They give the best food, food that may, maybe they don't even normally eat, but they're bringing out the best stuff, like the good stuff. So when they say, I'd be glad to receive you, like that's a big deal, like it's super important. And so I just can't help but, but see that correlation there. So when Paul says to Philemon, would you receive him? Just like you would receive me. Like if I was coming over to your house and you would bring out the best stuff, would you consider bringing out the best stuff for the guy who wronged you? What would you do? Maybe even a better question is what do you do? Because I know the world that you live in and the world that I live in is pretty screwed up at times. And I'm just making an assumption and maybe it's wrong. I know that sometimes people wrong me and I'm assuming that sometimes people wrong you. So what do you do? When somebody wrongs you, how do you deal with it? And so he simply says right there, if you consider me your partner, receive him just as you would receive me. I think if you think about that in the context of other things in the scripture, specifically two, and we'll look at two uh, stories from scripture, and one of them, whether you're brand new to church or you've been around at church for a long time, most of us has probably heard the story of the prodigal son, like it's a story that's, that's somewhat familiar. Two brothers, older brother, younger brother. Younger brother gets kind of tired of doing the stuff, and he says, Dad, can you give me half my half? I, I want my half now. Dad says, sure, gives him his stuff. He goes out, and he just parties all of his stuff away and he's he's living and taking care of and eating with pigs this is the younger brother right and at one point he realizes this is dumb if I could just go back and be a servant for my father it would be better than hanging out with these pigs story of the prodigal son and then I just want to read you quickly Luke chapter 15 starting in verse 20 this is what it says so remember he blew all of his stuff He's hanging out with pigs. He says, I'm going back. Starting in verse 20, it says, and then he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. One quick thing. It says that when he was still way, 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 way far away, his father saw him. How did his father see him? Because he was waiting for him. He was longing for him to come back and he was watching for him and he sees him and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he's repenting. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring <clears throat> on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted ca fattened calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. They're going to have a party. And then in verse 24 it says, for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And they had the party. And while they're having a party, the older brother, he was out working and he hears the commotion and he comes back and he starts asking some of the servants, why are we having a party? They're like, this isn't a holiday. Why are we having this celebration? Oh, your, your, your brother, he came back and we're having a party. And the older brother begins to get bitter. And he goes and 
begins to confront his dad and say, why, like why, I've been faithful to you, I do these things, I, I work for you, like I've been the good son. And yet, this other son, he doesn't even call him his brother, he says, this other son, he now comes back and you throw him a party and you've never thrown me a party, why are you throwing him a party? And with the same grace that he offered the younger son, when he came back, he offers the older son for being bitter and says, I don't want to disown him and I don't want to disown you either. I love you. And he offers him grace. And so when we start talking about this, when we start talking about receiving someone, when we start talking about receiving somebody who wronged you, so remember, they understood Scripture, like they looked at it frequently, and so this was, they understood some of these implications to receive somebody. They understood what does it look like to receive somebody who's gone off and, and done something wrong against you to receive them back. And they understand that God the Father receives you and me because of Jesus, because of who Jesus is. Quick side note. This is kind of like a TV timeout. I just want to give you a quick warning this morning, if you would allow me. Because there's an incredibly fine line between being the younger brother and being the older brother. Like the younger brother, like... He went off and then he realizes that he did wrong and he comes back to the father and says, I've, I've done wrong and the father receives him back. But the, the older brother's like, I do what's right. I'm smarter. I did what was good. And so sometimes what happens for you and I is that there's a really fine line between being received back to when we begin to understand what it looks like to understand God's grace and the implications of God's grace. But then if we're not careful, what happens is we kind of start not clearly understanding what grace is about and we start becoming the older brother and we start thinking, well, my pastor's smarter than the other pastors. My church is better than the other churches. I actually know the right way to do church. I can't believe that other churches don't get it. And we, start, we end up becoming the, not intentionally, but we end up becoming the bitter older brother. Like we were the younger brother. Like we received grace. We understand what it means for, for Jesus to kind of to take on our, our sin, our debt, and we say yes, and we receive grace, and, and we get welcomed back in by the Father, and then all of a sudden we kind of become the older brother. And I just want to warn you this morning, it's really easy to become the older brother, and it's really easy to become self-righteous, and it's really easy to become prideful because you think that you've got it all figured out. Let's not become the older brother. And so the implications of the story are pretty clear, but it's pretty interesting. The father responds to both of them with grace. And so when we look now at Paul writing to Philemon and he says, receive him just like if you were going to receive me, what he's saying is, it's just like the gospel. Like, it doesn't matter what he did. It doesn't matter what it felt like. It doesn't matter how much he hurt you, how much he wounded you. Matter of fact, in verse 18, this is what it says. It says, if he has wronged you at all, if he's wronged you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm pretty sure that I know the answer. Like, I think all of us at some point have been wronged by someone. Some of you have been wronged, like, 
in ways that I can't even comprehend, but we've all been wronged in some way. But if we're not careful, what happens is we wanna, we wanna make sure that everybody knows how much we've been wronged, that we never even move past being wronged. Like we get, we get, owned, we get owned by being wronged and we never even move past it. And we, we, we jump up on the soapbox and we wanna tell people how much they hurt us or how bad someone's been to us and we never actually figure out what does it look like for us to go beyond that? What does it look like for us to begin to understand? What does the gospel really mean about this? What does grace really mean about this? And I'm not saying that you haven't been hurt and I'm not saying that you haven't been wounded but I want you to understand what Paul is telling Philemon. And I think it also has implications to us. That's why it's called scripture. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. If he's wronged you, if he took something from you, if he owes you something, charge it to me. Charge it to me. I, Paul, write this. He's like extra emphasis. Like I don't, we, we don't know the whole reason why he says this because maybe he was using somebody to, he was dictating it or maybe he just put this in here. Why it's in there, it doesn't really matter exactly, but he's like, me, Paul, this is me telling you this. I will repay it, whatever he owes you. It's a little bit like, like where does that come from? Like how do you get the, the ability or the, the authority or even the power to do that, to like, begin to move past that woundedness. Because here's what I think. Like sometimes we can fake it with people and we can say, yeah, okay, we're moving past this. But I'm not talking about faking it. I'm talking about deep down inside in your heart actually forgiving them and figuring out how to move forward. That's what I'm talking about, not the faking it part. Like how do you get, how can you, how can you develop the strength to do that? And it reminds us in scripture of another story, another famous story, whether it's the first time in church or you've been coming to church for a really long time and actually coming to a church for a really long time sometimes does us a disservice because we, we don't see the power in the story. But the Good Samaritan, right? A guy gets beat up, everything's taken from him. The preacher guy walking down the road sees him, passes by on the other side. The church leader sees him, passes by on the other side. His enemy comes and sees him. He helps him. He takes him to a nice hotel. He puts him up and says, if he needs more than what I'm paying you now, I'll pay you when I come back. And what usually happens, at least in American culture, is that we get super excited and we're like, the good Samaritan, that's who I am and that's who I want to be. But the reality of the story is you and I are the dead dude, half dead dude laying on the side of the street and Jesus is the good Samaritan who comes to rescue us. And when we begin to understand that Jesus came to rescue us, when Jesus came to lift us up, when he comes to make us new, when he comes to make us clean, then it impacts the way that we relate to the people around us, even the people who wrong us. And if all we do is talk about how bad somebody wronged us and we never figure out how to move past that, could it be that we don't actually understand at least completely what the gospel is really about, that we don't completely understand what grace is about. is because we can't move past that because we just want to tell somebody, look how bad they hurt me, look how bad they hurt me, and we never figure out how to move past it. And the reality is, if you try on your own strength, if you try to just like be the good little person that you are, you can't do it. 
Like, it's not possible. Like, you can fake it for a moment, but then when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you know that it wasn't real and that it wasn't true because you still are angry and bitter towards them. So how do we do that? How do we move past that? And it has to be something more than just what we can do. And I think that when we begin to understand. So here's, here's my prayer for the day. And, I, and in some ways I f- almost feel silly saying this. My prayer is that we see the connection between the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, and Paul writing to Philemon about accepting Onesimus back. And that we see that forgiveness begins with our understanding of the gospel and begins with our understanding of grace. And maybe for the first time, maybe you've heard the prodigal son and the good Samaritan a thousand times. But maybe for some reason today you began to realize that you were the dude that was about to die on the side of the road and Jesus rescued you. And you put yourself into the story of Philemon and you see Paul writing you and you say, and somebody shows up with a letter, the person who's wronged you, they show up with a letter and they're standing right in front of you and they say, please read this before you verbally abuse me. And you begin to read the letter and Paul's writing to you and he says, remember what it was like? Remember before you knew Jesus, you begin to understand what grace is about. You begin to understand the implications of the gospel. Now I'm saying, receive him. Receive him like you would receive me because he's a brother. When we begin to understand what that's about, it changes the way that we interact with people. I'm not saying that it makes it easy. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Because sometimes church like misinforms you and say, well, if you'll just do this, then it'll be easy to forgive people. Not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it makes it easy. What I'm saying is if you try on your own power, you're going to fail. But if you rely on the power and the understanding of the gospel and grace, it gives you a supernatural ability to receive them. To do more than to stand up on your soapbox and say, they hurt me, they hurt me, they hurt me. It begins to help you figure out, because Jesus offered me grace, because he picked me up off the side of the road, because he saw me way far off in the distance and he ran to me and he hugged me and he embraced me and he said, welcome home. Then it changes the way that I interact with the people in my relationships. Just to wrap it up, then it goes on to say, the, the, the rest of what I'm reading is actually, in my opinion, somewhat funny, um, just because I have a weird, I, maybe it's not funny to you, but then he goes on to say, to say nothing of your owing me <clears throat> even your own self. So it's kind of like, have you ever had those friends who say, I don't, I don't want to say that you owe me, but, I mean, that's kind of what they're saying. It's like Paul is saying, remember what it was like before you knew Jesus? You actually kind of owe me because I, I showed you what the gospel was about. I showed you what it was like. I showed you understanding grace. So you actually kind of like, if we're going to talk about who owes who here, you kind of, you do kind of owe me. Like he's like, I don't want to bring this up, but you kind of owe me. <clears throat> And then verse 20, yes, brother, I want some benefit uh, from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Like I want to see how much you've grown. I want to see that you understand grace. I want to see that you understand the gospel. And then he says in verse 21, confident in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Like I'm just asking you, 
Receive them like you would, it was me, like, like you would receive me, and I'm confident that you'll do even more than what I'm asking you to do. And then he goes on to say this, uh, which is, I, I think, kind of cool. He's like, um, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, uh, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. So he's like, if I get out of this place, I'm coming to see you. If I get out of here, I'm coming to stay with you. So get ready to receive me like you always have before. And then he goes on with some other conclusions and, and wrapping up the letter. Can you pretend with me for just a moment? That that person that's wronged you, they show up on your doorstep and have a letter from Paul. And Paul's asking you, do you understand the gospel? Do you understand the implications of grace? Receive them just like you would receive me. Receive them using the supernatural power of Jesus Christ himself because if you try on your own, you will fail. And then it actually has all kinds of implications because one of the things that we do at the end of the service is we talk about communion and it's way more, like if you, if you begin to understand what it actually is, if you begin to understand that it represents the gospel, that it represents the good news, that it represents Jesus making the sacrifice for your indebtedness, that it's more than just a snack on Sunday morning. It changes, the, it changes who you are and it changes the way that you interact with the people around you even specifically the people who have wronged you. Doesn't make it easy, doesn't make it pleasant, but you know what that's called? Christianity. Like we don't have the end of the story, like there's not a continuation, like there's not another chapter, there's not another part two of Philemon and we don't necessarily know exactly what happened, but here's what I suspect. This is just Bob, this is my imagination at work, so it's not, this is just speculation on my part. Like, I don't think that it would be in here if it went bad. And so Philemon receives Onesimus, and they become brothers. And the whole community knew that Onesimus had wronged Philemon. But they began to see how they began to restore their relationship. And you know what the response was, would have been from the people? The only way that could have happened for them to become brothers was because of Jesus. And so I wonder in your life, who do you need to forgive? Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, my prayer for us this morning is that we would be overwhelmed by your grace, whether it's for the first time that we begin to understand your grace or whether we've kind of been ignoring your grace, that we were like the prodigal son who, run away, who had run away and you've been calling us back and you've been waiting for us and maybe today is the day 
that the father is standing there and he runs out to you and he begins to hug you and he kisses you and he wants to celebrate because the child who was lost is now found. The child who was dead is now alive. Maybe that's you. It's you because you just simply respond to Jesus, I understand that I have a debt that I cannot pay. That you died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I say yes to you. So God, this morning I pray that you would help us to see clearly the implications of the gospel in our life not only personally, but in our relationships. That we understand that grace impacts us personally, but it also impacts the people around us. And as we continue to pray, still with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you a quick question. How many of you would be willing to admit that you have someone in your life who has wronged you and that you need to forgive them and you're not really sure how to begin, but you want to try. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, you, you know our hearts, but now many of us, just as a physical representation of our heart, we raise our hand to say that someone has wronged us and Jesus, for the people that have raised their hand, I pray that you would give them wisdom and I pray that you would give them strength and I pray that you would give them courage. But most of all, I pray that you would give them a clear understanding of grace. I pray that you would give them a clear understanding of the gospel. And I pray that as they begin to understand how much you have forgiven them and how much you love them and how much you have restored them, that they then would tap into that supernatural power that comes only from you and that they would begin to take the next step to move beyond the woundedness, beyond the bitterness, beyond the hurt, and that they would begin to offer forgiveness because they have been forgiven. Jesus, I pray that you would move in our life. I pray that you would clean us, that you would make us new, that you would make us whole. I pray that you would make us more like you. And as you make us more like you, I pray that the outflow and the result of that is our relationships would change. Our relationships would be better. Our relationships would look more like our relationship with you. In your righteous and holy name we pray. Amen.